Hi, this is John Keister, and you're listening to NWCZ Radio. Coming to you from the Man Cave, deep in the heart of the Pacific Northwest, you have entered the Northwest Convergence Zone. everybody welcome to the northwest convergence zone show big d here with you along with this is voxy this is the gimmer and this is double d also we have squeeze wonder boy and the saint and brett along with us today uh full cast and crew in here although no tk I uh, haven't seen TK in a while. I miss know? her. Miss I miss her. Yeah, she didn't make it to the uh, the party either, so that was kind of a nice bummer. little rub in her nose. A shout out on that one. Yeah, well, no, TK, I just we want to say you. we missed wish, her. We, we missed we TK. We've seen you for internet. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's great. We love you though. Play Where's TK in the pictures. <laughs> That'll be our next book. <laughs> Northwest Convergence Zone presents one, Where's TK. She's the one like uh, pressing a uh, picture of the saint above her head. <laughs> you know, you're about 167 pounds, aren't you, saint? Uh, yeah, he's done. Yep. <laughs> want to remind everybody that you can hear us on Stitcher. Stitcher, Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher is uh, we, it's on our web web page, and all you have to do is click it and download it, and you can catch us on Stitcher anywhere. And I think we're starting some kind of new partnership uh, with Stitcher. I guess uh, some kind of uh, you can get it on the phone. You know, it, it basically comes up on your phone. It's like an app uh, to cool. get us wherever you want. It's a very cool deal. Stitcher. Stitcher. Dot com and just click the link off of it. You just page. have to have a phone that's not click made in 1990 like I have. Like mine. <laughs> like I've got. Uh, you have to plug it, actually, like hook it up with jumper cables to your battery. Yeah, that hold your car goes. <laughs> He's on his fifth battery. He's cranking it, you know. <laughs> it's, one, yeah, it's one of those, like the crank lights, you know. It's like exactly. you to crank. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on that. Am I then. coming in? Uh, <laughs> it's a ham radio that he carries yeah. around on his belt. <laughs> I'm handle 4B92. Anybody out there? Double D coming in. Especially at night, man. He's reaching like Hong Kong and stuff. It's yeah. really cool. Uh, so, hey. You know, there's an incom- completely uh, different train that we could go out, you know, and go down with that whole. <laughs> the big double D handle. We won't. Just remember <laughs> that it. double D. I don't get it. We no, know that. The Hong Kong and never mind. Uh, what? <laughs> never mind. So, uh, big, big thanks to everybody who came out to the Northwest Convergence Zone second anniversary party. By all accounts, I I will say, uh, go ahead and say I, it was a success. Oh, yeah. A lot of people were out there. Uh, we want to thank, of course, the Furwood um, Rock Lounge for hosting it, letting us have it there. And there were so many people involved. We don't, I don't want to go down the list, but you all know who you are. And thank you. So all the bands, High Noon Horizon, Quickie, The Hard Count, and Perry Acker. And uh, good time. What did you guys, what's your take on it, guys? What did you think? It was awesome. All the coolest people in town were there. <laughs> Gimmer, you were there. It was like... Um, <laughs> yeah, and Gimmer. <laughs> a strange version of, of the Puyallup Fair as a child. <laughs> when, it, you know, you, you got little bits of all the best parts. Do the Convergence Zone. Uh, you know, I mean, the door... Could you do it at a trot and a gallop? <laughs> sure. I don't know, can you? I'm not sure if you so, could have. No, but night. you just... <laughs> All night long. I don't think Gimmer could have done it at a trial. All night long for like <laughs> uh, four hours. You had a constant uh, stream and rotation of just people just cool people, popping yeah. through the door. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, hey, it was boy. very, very nice. And it was a and, very uh, cool mix yeah. of like our listeners and people we've had on the show who came out to support uh, the cause and, and just to have a good time. We had rock people from rock bands. Yep. Yeah, indie type bands, singer songwriters, volcano was heavy there. metal bands. Dude, Burn the Harbor was there. That's yeah. about as heavy as it gets. Yeah, man. Uh, it was, uh, and and some hip hop too. Yeah, so. a lot of cool people there, and, yeah. and like I said, a lot of people who Everything. are listeners and Gimmer. And, Gimmer. <laughs> and then there was me. And then there was Double D. Did you guys see Double D hit the stage? I missed it. I missed it too. I missed Boxing. the swearing. 
I saw. I it. already it was cursed. Be the worstest thing I ever I, saw. That was my. That was what my, uh, possessed you, man? That was my evil twin brother. <laughs> you got to hear the words come out of his mouth, man. I tell you. He must have been hitting that Mike's hard limit. And were your folks same. there at that? Because, look, Double D's parents took a bus. I know. Downtown to come to the event. And they were there for, what, about an hour and a half? And hour they and sat half. right in front of the big speaker. Did they hear you with your foul mouth get up there and cuss out the crowd? No, because if I if they would have heard me, they would. mom would have pulled me off stage. Grabbed by the your bars, ear. <laughs> grabbed the bar of soap and right there in front of everybody would have washed it out. She did sniff Wait, his water that, though. That was, Actually, she did. She checked. That she grabbed hilarious. my water and then sniffed it to see what I was drinking. And I'm like, uh, mom. That's hilarious. And how old are you? 44. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was your parents? Yes, that was my mom Dude, and dad. I was doing Jaeger bombs with them out in the... <laughs> At the bus stop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Uh, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but there were a lot of cool, uh, cool things that went on through the night um real quick what were some of your favorites fox do you have any favorite uh moment of the night anything that sticks out favorite moments of the well the put on the spot thing isn't thing i don't want to like point anyone out above anyone else you know hard count is amazing to watch yeah that's great you know adam's performance and the way he moves he just pulls you in and so i really enjoyed gimmer what his highlights for you moments that stuck out i enjoyed uh quickie's set and, Front to uh, back, I thought they did a great job. Yeah, I job. mean, I th- it was he was high sweating, energy, man, tight, sweating solid, like high a energy hog up and, there too. And uh, that was the first time I got to see or hear him live. And you know, other than that, I mean, the bands were all great. Um, but just seeing so many people, I mean, it was just a, like a flood of. We had of over. We had about four hundred people. Buddies there. and chummers and pals and. Gimmer and Coates were like on they were and dancing they were, again. Yeah, we they were, were holding each other. We were slow dancing. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's right. Dude, we were D. slow dancing to Perry Acker. Oh, actually. I thought my best time was watching Wonder Boy cruise around this place. <laughs> Wonder Boy was not Crowd cruising father. around this no, place. He was, he was in one place. Yes. What, are you, what are you talking about? Wonder Boy was in one place. He was up there in the booth. Oh yes, that's where right. he, he was belonged. in the sound room. Only. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. I, that was somebody. Good for Lord, we'll never be invited to another place again. <laughs> well, of course, because moron. He, yes, I am a moron. My he favorite was part upstairs. <laughs> Yeah. In the sound room, watching him run the videotaping it. That's what he meant by running around. He was running with, the sound. That's, that's what oh, I meant. Oh, that's yeah. okay. He you was bet. up there with me. I had my eye on Wonder Boy. But no, my favorite didn't. thing is when dipshit over there dropped the tarp in front of I everybody. I think he's talking about me. Wait, first of all, <laughs> did we invite Squeeze into this? <laughs> no, I don't not. care. Anybody I run the sound. Anybody ask what your favorite part was, Squeeze? I don't care. I run he the was sound. The super, I'll turn you he off. He was the superstar of Friday Night. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. Actually, he did a great night. job. Squeeze did an amazing job and we For felt bad blind. that we dropped a curtain <laughs> right in front of his eyes. <laughs> uh, speaking so of, did you guys like the confetti and the balloon drop? That was awesome. It was festive. My favorite part was the one I missed and that was Double D getting up on stage. I'm really bummed that I didn't get to see that. Uh, Brett's I heard there got was some pictures. pictures. There are some pictures. It did actually happen, folks. It was not an illusion. So again, but it thank, was my twin brother. Thanks to everybody who came out, and we had a great time. We're of course, you know, we're gonna go for one more year and uh, make party number three. We'll see what happens. More you looked yeah. incredibly cool too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I was saying. Yeah, uh, that was really cool of the Kent Morrow family to let me wear his jacket. And his sunglasses, and I, yeah. I felt very honored to be able to, uh, you know, carry around. I mean, Kent was a big supporter of this show, and I got to know him pretty well in in, in his latter days. I don't know if he ever listened to an episode, <laughs> but he always asked, "How's that going?" Because he loved Tacoma, he loved the music scene, and he was a big supporter. And so it was very, very special to be able to trot that thing out. Look um, good, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, there the are, limo ride was cool, too. The limo ride was yeah. cool. Sorry. Raymond Hayden was a highlight of the night, I think. <laughs> Raymond Hayden with the F-bombs? He didn't know he had Tourette's syndrome until oh, he man. hit that stage. Something about we like love that. you, Hayden. That was awesome. We want to keep that thing going. It was like a feng shui or something like that. When he, he didn't know that if he actually stood in that section of the earth right there, he, he would turn, into an, to an, he would turn into an X-rated man. comedian. Oh, you know? well, maybe that's what happened to me. 
If you got in there, sucked into the Bingo! vortex. Yeah. We got it. All right. It's a haunted stage. So then, so uh, we, uh, we all, a lot of us didn't get to bed till like four in the morning on uh, the sun was coming. Yeah, up. I just, I had to go to bed when the sun started rising. Yeah, that was dangerous because it was like, man, if the sun comes up, you catch your second win and it's over, right? You're starting and to we make had, some bacon and right? eggs. And <laughs> but we had a, a, a big Saturday. A lot of us were involved in a bunch of stuff on Saturday as well. And we'll start with you, Gimmer. You went out the hard count had uh, disco donnie's birthday party and you guys played at it yeah. tell us about that deal it was cool it was up in renton at uh, bender's bender's bar and a lot uh, of people yeah man it was a the place was full crazy and did you guys did you guys do the uh who tune we did yeah. a little preview of uh what we're gonna do at Hempfest. nice and nice. uh and was was adam and donnie like blasted um, I know Donnie was, but <laughs> I know it's his birthday. I expected that guy to be lips down. He was trying to play another song. It was one thirty <laughs> because uh, we we played a set and Hard Count played a set, and then we did like a jam, and a bunch of people just great uh, spontaneously just kind of kept rotating up there, and uh, so the and yeah, he was up there. Come on, do one more song, and the sound, the you know, the, the actual bar music starting to play. You know, <laughs> So, House uh, lights are coming on. It was great. Then had some uh, some chicken and waffles uh, at Sherry's across the street after that, and I was just money on the way home from Renton. Beautiful. You know, the beautiful drive. It, it's actually an nice. easy drive. Right? We also, chicken and waffles? I'm chicken and chicken waffles. Chicken and waffles, man. <laughs> <laughs> <A> chicken waffles. <laughs> chicken <Only waffle>. <laughs> Was it <there> whipped cream? <laughs> Strawberries. In, in search of the elusive chicken waffle. <laughs> <laughs> well, another uh, fine member of our crew here had a huge night on Saturday night. And Would that be you? Nope, that would be Wonder Boy. Oh, that's right. Wonder Boy. Can we call him Wonder Man yet? No. No, I was looking for that this morning, and mm. I didn't see the twinkle in the eye and the, the light uh, step. And uh, was I was wondering, because he was out till like two, two or three. Uh, we're going to get the update, the report. Wonder Boy, hop on the mic. Is this the John there. report? This is the Wonder Boy report. Wonder Boy, uh, how was the prom, buddy? It was great. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? See, he didn't get it. Think because it would have been like, oh, it was the most amazing night of my life, dude. He has to be secretive right now. You don't yeah, understand. His, think he's hot, not tub, hot tub time machine in reverse. He's so come back. We're all gonna be rich now. It's already here. in play. So, Wonder Boy, um, it's just too soon. Uh, did you take a limo? No. What did you arrive in? What was the chariot you were going on? Um, my Explorer. <laughs> Pimping in the Explorer. Strike one. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, that might have been a bunt. But he did open it could the door. Been, it could he have, did yeah, open the door for error. her. You're moving. Were you right? guys in? Were you in a tuxedo? Um, shamefully, yes. Uh, what? No, oh, come on. All right. Well, did <laughs> you have? Pimp, did dude. you have the boutonniere? Yes. Strike two. <gasps> <laughs> now, what did was you have the, a good time? What was the theme of the evening? The enchantment <laughs> under the sea dance. <laughs> no it was lost in luxury strike three there you go folks that is why wonder boy is not a man today there's, there's the prom report <laughs> thank you <laughs> did you no but seriously wonder boy did you guys dance did you guys like get out and get jiggy with it and stuff well um i I heard a re report from the uh, bartenders downtown stairs saying that the uh, ceiling because uh, the it, it was at the vault. And no, so, the question was. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. What's did it? you Everyone, dance? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Strike four. <laughs> but did, did he have his? <laughs> he probably had his cow outfit on too. <laughs> Actually, his cow he, outfit, home run, baby. <laughs> Bam. I didn't get to see the cow. You haven't seen the cow uh, outfit. No, it, it didn't make it. it didn't it, make it, it to the party. No, uh, in all seriousness, Wonder Boy, congratulations yeah, on the prom. I, I understand you went with a very lovely lady who mm. was not a camera. Mm. That's a first. Yes. She was actually Nancy, real. It's usually wasn't Nancy a blow up. She wasn't a robot. No, it was, you know, it was little, an actual chick. Little AI robot I made. <laughs> <laughs> so we're glad you had a good time. And next up for the Wonder Boy. 
Friday graduation. night. Graduation. Friday night. Baby. Graduation. Mm. Yes. And then he's all ours. We're so. going drinking and drag racing, baby. <laughs> Woo! Wonder Boy. Friday night, baby. That'll be the night. He'll come in next week. Hey, I'm playing Friday night, dude. Don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm sorry. Actually, I mean, uh, Double D, don't worry about Kimmer's it. Kimmer's not going to crash it. I'm not going to crash it and steal your kid. I'm taking that, come on, I'm taking that, uh, that crazy air we'll horn we have. Wait 21st birthday. Yes. That's what I'm bringing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Alex... Davenport. The friend maker, yeah. <laughs> no, I got his. Actually, I got uh, Alexander Ralph Davenport's um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> high school graduation notice this week. What? That was a mistake that you got one. Yeah, it had to be because nobody else in here got one. <laughs> what was that? That was the friend maker. So I didn't know who that was, and, and I had to do some research, and that is, in fact, Wonder Boy. Wow. <laughs> so what's his middle name? Is it, what isn't it, Ralph? Ralph. It's Alex Ralph. Wonderboy. Yeah. And who named him this wacky name? Uh, it has to go back to uh, <laughs> Yeah, me. we don't need that story. It goes back to the Spanish Armada. <laughs> and then my dad. And then my grandfather. <laughs> should have so, stuck at least, you should have at least stuck a third or something Ensign in there. Ensign Ralph. More, he always uh, seemed to okay, be able to Okay, let's go on to the everything. next subject. <laughs> All right, next subject. Uh, also on Saturday what you night. What did you do Saturday night? I went up to uh, the U2 concert. And the YouTube concert? The YouTube. <laughs> it was a special a special showing on the big screens. Now, Questfield, U2, I've seen U2 several times, dating back to when, the first time I saw them, there were maybe 300 there. Yeah. And they were just like 19 year whatever, young kids. And so it's been, and I've seen them several, you know, in several incarnations all the way up. The zoo, I saw the Zeropa tour, the Zoo TV tour, and then I saw the Octung Baby, and I've seen several. Uh, this one, the stage was unbelievable. It was it was crazy I saw good. Pictures. It looked crazy. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. Yeah, it, it it was supposed to be a spaceship that landed, and that's what it looked like. And it was um, it was very cool. But I will say, uh, from a critical standpoint, uh, because I've seen them several times, mm. the set list and the actual um, you know performances of the song, I've heard better. But uh, that's not to say it wasn't a great show. Lenny Kravitz came out. They I was going to say who opened. Lenny Kravitz opened, and they, I will say this, they were having sound problems. Son of a bitch. Um, Lenny Kravitz almost had a meltdown during one of his songs because, oh, you know, they're wearing the, the earpieces. Yeah. And the, the song, I think it was Are You Going to Go My Way? And it just started off like, it sounded like a train wreck. And Are he, you going to go somewhere else? And he, and, oh no, it was it was when let, let love rule, yeah. which was the funny thing because I'm sitting next to Big Joe who used to be on our program, <laughs> right. and Kravitz is having this meltdown up there, and I we re, we thought he was going to leave, and I thought how appropriate. <laughs> let, he kept going let, let love, love rule, rule folks. So I'm fucking out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was good seeing. Uh, he the, looked pretty though. I bet Big mm. Joe Friday night. Big Joe was there, and I and I I feel so bad we didn't say anything from the stage. I did invite him up with us; he declined. Uh, but Big Joe was there, and it was a it was a pleasure to ha- and an honor to have him come come to the event. And we really appreciate the fact that he, he was, was there. Looking pretty pimp too. He man. looked great. Yeah. Uh, so that's my view on the YouTube show. I thought you know. But did you have a good time? I had a great time. Yeah, okay. and it, you know the cool thing is is that it was a different experience for me because this was in the round. This was big stage was in the round and i was actually behind the stage so we would we could see them we saw kravitz come in and then get up on the stage we saw you two come in and get up on the, and we saw all the back production stuff going right, on because right. they're they played to the front of the audience for the most part but they would come back and you know give a nod to those of us who were back there but they had this big screen and you, we weren't missing anything it's just uh you know they were you actually got further up. Stuff. We were actually closer to them at yeah. several points than people who paid, you know, mass amounts. And uh, I've been holding Sinners. on to those tickets for a year. And th- this was the great part. I think I paid I paid thirty five bucks for my tickets mm-hmm. back when they sold last year. And there were some Canadians sitting all around us, and um, they all paid like a uh, hundred and seventy nine bucks or whatever each for theirs to sit in the same section. Would they get it? A- like a tariff slapped on their ticket or something. I don't, no, they had to buy. It was all sold out. They had to buy it off of you know like uh, uh, Tick StubHub or whatever. Oh, one, of the, one of the legal ticket scalpers. Out Basically, there now, right? that's what it is. Isn't it amazing how that used to be illegal? The best moment of the concert though God. was towards the. I mean, these guys. I, I've been to like I said, lots of YouTube concerts. I have never seen so much uh, of the ganj being smoked. Yeah. And at the 
during the break between the first and the second set, they had this video going and it kept saying, you know, what time is it in the world? And there was this, there was this radio voice that would go, what time is it in the world? And Joe, Joe yells out, apparently it's 420 and it has been for the last two hours. <laughs> so good times. Awesome. Good times. That was like what, 50,000 people? Something like that? 60, 60 plus. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was crazy. But uh, good times all around. Hey, um, let's get a comedy club update okay hey south sounders looking for something to do check out the tacoma comedy club hey tacoma comedy fans we got a new deal tuesday night it is live music tuesday doors at seven show at eight five dollar cover all ages till 11 p.m wednesday night is open mic night 729 come on down there is no cover involved you think you're funny bring it come on down if you think you can sing do poetry whatever Bring your guitar, tambos, whatever. I don't care. Bring them down, nine to close. Singer-songwriter at the Tacoma Comedy Club on Wednesday nights. That's just that cool, Voxy. Thursday night, Jubal Flag, $10. He's always usually bringing in headliners who are on off nights and whatnot. You're going to walk away going, we need to come back here on Thursday nights. It's just that cool. Show at 8 o'clock. Hypnotist Ron Stubbs, Friday and Saturday night. Two shows each night. I don't need to say any more about the guy because when you go to one of his shows, you're going to walk away going, I still don't believe it. 8 and 10 Friday, 8 and 10 30 Saturday, $15 Tacoma Comedy Club, rock and roll. Tacoma Comedy Club, located at 933 South Market, or give them a call at 253-282-7203. Hey, speaking of the Tacoma Comedy Club, coming up in July is Bobby Slayton. Yeah. The uh, pit bull of comedy, and he's going to make an appearance right here on the Northwest Convergence Zone. Awesome! So we're excited about that. Slate, and of course, been in movies and and TV and radio and all Theater. that stuff. <laughs> Everything. Vaudeville. <laughs> no, so we're excited about that. But our first our first guest on the big show today is something very special for us because we're starting our third year. We really wanted to start out, um, you know, on a high note. And I think we've achieved it because there are some legendary uh, figures around the Northwest who we all look to, who we all know, we all love and admire their work and, and in so many different ways. And this guy is all of that. I've been following this, our next guest for years. And uh, it's just a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to say that we've had John Keister on the program. And a lot of you know him from Almost Live, but we're going to talk to him about uh, his days at the Rocket, and he was really involved with the music scene. But most of you know him from Almost Live, so we're going to play a little clip from uh, his notorious section on Almost Live, The John Report. Good evening and welcome to The John Report. I'm John Here's my report. American Airlines has asked Boeing to slow down its production rate. A representative from Boeing says if they work any slower, they'll have to start taking planes apart. <laughs> An alligator has been reported missing from the Pacific Science Center. Inside sources say the alligator just could not face another night of listening to Laser Van Halen. <laughs> A letter to UW football season ticket holders advises them to notify the nearest usher if drinking problems arise in the stands. The newsletter also contained a help-wanted ad for 70,000 more ushers at Husky Stadium. <laughs> A letter concerning alcohol use was also sent to WSU ticket holders asking fans if they could please bring more beer nuts and pretzels. <laughs> After years of isolation, the historically important Dead Sea Scrolls were opened to the public. The most amazing discovery was that the scrolls included the, Emmett Watson's first column. <laughs> hey, the Seattle Art Museum's Hammering Man sculpture, a tribute to the working man, was dropped during installation last week. Now that the sculpture's moving arm doesn't work, the museum is going to change it to a tribute to Seahawk quarterbacks. <laughs> All right, everybody, it is our distinct privilege and honor to have with us today a personal hero of mine. I mean, if you go down the list of the greatest shows ever produced in the Northwest, uh, I think we all kind of have to bow down to J.P. Patches. I think oh, we can, yeah. agree. Sure. We can oh, agree on that. I think so. But at a solid number two, in, with no question, is almost live. I agree. And uh, iconic show. 
Uh, we all grew up with it. It was purely the Northwest. It was purely us. And, uh, you know, the face of that show, writer, uh, you know, just the all-around great guy from Almost Live, John Keister joins us. John, thanks for coming in. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go, before we get into the Almost Live years and, and okay. all of that stuff, let's go back, because you are uh, a native Washingtonian, grew, grew yeah. up in this area. Yeah, that's right. I grew up in Seattle, in the south south end of Seattle. Uh, live there now, and pretty much lived there almost all my life. I went to Franklin High School, the University of Washington, and when I was at the U, I started getting into journalism. Uh, and after uh, I left the University of Washington, uh, shortly after that, we got into the Rocket Magazine. We created the Rocket Magazine, which was created by some people that. Uh, uh, it originally was uh, an entertainment pullout from the Seattle uh, Sun, uh, which no. Yeah, there's a lot of us who still miss the rocket. Yeah, yeah. That was a great. That was a great zine. Right, and I look around here. You can see a lot of groups that we. <laughs> that we covered. <laughs> the reason that the rocket started was. Um, Punk rock had started up uh, in the late 70s, as you obviously know, uh, and it wasn't being covered. There was no outlet in Seattle that understood it. Like, uh, Seattle Times didn't cover it because they didn't understand it. And the, usually you have an alternative weekly, like Willamette Week or some of the other ones, and that they have an attitude sort of like what the stranger and the weekly have now. But in those days, in the late 70s, the Seattle Weekly was very much a kind of wine and cheese, and they wrote about, uh, you know, chamber music in the symphony. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's actually. all good stuff. But yeah, I'm not. Yeah, sure, it completely is. Completely ignoring this but other sector. There was an entire... Uh, realm of music that I was really interested in, and a lot of other people, a lot of my friends were really interested in, and there was no outlet. There was nothing. It wasn't being covered. And I'm talking about, these are the days when The Clash or Elvis Elvis Costello did his first co uh, concert in the United States in Seattle. And, and it was very frequent that these British bands would have their very first American concert in Seattle, because they'd fly over on the polar route. They'd play Seattle just to sort of warm up before they'd hit L.A. and New York so they could kind of, you know, get... Work their way across the nation. Yeah, exactly. But we home. often were the very first stop. Elvis Costello, The Clash, you know, uh, even Madonna, of all people, you know, <laughs> even though she's obviously not... Uh, although she talks like it now, she actually is not from, uh, mm -hmm. uh, from England. But uh, <laughs> right, yeah. So there's this, this huge, rich, vibrant music scene. And uh, nobody was covering it, so a bunch of people from the Sun started the the rocket, and that's and and that's what it that's why it came about. There was there was no other place in the country that had a magazine that was just specifically devoted to music, a local a local magazine. Right. You know, I mean, every other place, uh, either somebody on the main the you know the, the main paper or the alternative weekly was hip enough to understand what was going on and that wasn't the case in seattle so yeah because i mean the rocket became the bible for those of us who were i was living in west seattle at the time we looked forward to it coming out because it was the only thing telling us really unless you happen to be listening at the right moment on the radio station who was coming to town right yeah. where they were playing where there were good places to go to right um because Unless it was happening in your neighborhood and you saw it on, there was no internet. Yes, that's yeah. right. It and was, yeah, it was a very unique, very unique publication, and uh, I was really happy to be part of it. And um, one day, a telephone call came in, and they were starting a show over at uh, King uh, that was called Rev, which stood for Rock entertainment video rev and uh they wanted somebody to uh what they wanted was johnny renton which i wrote i wrote that column i was johnny renton and they right. wanted him to come out and they wanted a, they wanted a music news segment and kind of like a kurt loader thing yeah well, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> like that and except that MTV, MTV, Local. except MTV didn't exist then, no, so, yeah. so they wouldn't Certainly. know. They wouldn't know to say, <laughs> right. like, what "Hey, we Kurt want a Loder. Kurt Loder thing." So this was before MTV. So you pioneered Kurt Loder. Well, it's the, <laughs> when we did this show, uh, they wanted a, a local music, and I called it the Rocket Report, and that, and I was on that, and uh, 
it was very popular because MTV hadn't come into town yet. And this is all, all these music videos. And so I was on that and I was doing kind of funny stuff with my segment. Mm -hmm. And the program di director said, you know, you'd be, you might be really good for this new show that we're trying, this comedy show, which eventually, you know, became almost live. So it was just this random phone call when wow. I was working at this newspaper that's now defunct that got me into television. Yeah, and there were a lot of amazing uh, local writers and uh, music people who were involved in the Rocket. Yes. Uh, Charles Cross and mm -hmm. all those. Uh, Very good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing talent. Uh, who at the time we were just reading, they were just, it was just a name, you know, mm -hmm. on the article who have all since become legendary. So there was a lot of talent. Linda Berry, the cartoonist. Right. Um, Matt Groening from The Simpsons did some of his first work he was at evergreen yeah he was still going to evergreen uh and a lot of the people that were the photography and art director staff did very very well they went to new york there was at one point where most of the major there, there a, a story was done in new york magazine about how the this magazine in seattle called the rocket was like the farm team for new york art directors that <laughs> there was a certain point where vanity fair uh, Rolling Stone, The Village Voice, Newsweek, and I forget, uh, oh, and Mademoiselle were all recruiting. The, all, no, all the art directors had come through this one magazine in Seattle, The wow. Rocket. Yeah. Wow. And they that kind of ran the New York uh, art direction scene. Back where they're, you know, where we're supposed to have, you know, don't they still have dirt roads back there in Seattle, you know? Well, the, it was the, like the that. Northeasters, you know? Yeah. And it, it was also, um, at that time, um, it was just sort of gospel that you had to, in order to become successful, you had to leave Seattle. Seattle, yeah. Uh, and when we were doing Almost Live, right when the grunge scene started to take off is when, just coincidentally, it's when we decided to take the show out and see if we could get a national deal. And I know that that had something to do with it, that everybody was looking at Seattle at the time. And, and a lot of the promotion on when we ended up on Comedy Central had to do with you know, take a look at the show that Seattle's been laughing at for a year. You know, like the, <laughs> Seattle was this big, you know, it, it had a lot of cachet. All of a sudden, you didn't have to leave Seattle to be successful. They were coming here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on your website, and everybody, uh, check out John Keister's website. It's almostjohnkeister.com. Yes, Great well, website, a lot of information. There's a... There is uh, something that you wrote that I found interesting about your time uh, at The Rocket. You said, I quickly learned that if you love somebody's music, you never wanted to meet them in person. Yes. If you did, you could never listen to that music again without visions of them or their handlers screaming at you and throwing something <laughs> at you running through your head. Yes, that's, that's where, correct. Where did that who, – who, where, how did that all come about? Well, it first happened by surprise, uh, you know, because I thought one of the cool things about, uh, you know, being in this newspaper would be that I'd get to meet my idols. But then after a while – and I'll just tell you just quick – I'll tell you how it happened, but, but real uh, specifically – um, Elvis Costello didn't come through Seattle for 13 years after I originally saw him in 1978 and it was 13 I think I, I'm correct about that he would either hit Portland or Vancouver <laughs> and I had gotten older and wiser in that time uh, and uh, I was actually was it, uh, well, the next time he came back was that when he did the rising star uh, he he did the rising star uh, actually, he did it. Twi he 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 came here twice. He did he did the Rising Star, which yeah. were an amazing series. You yeah, know? that was amazing. Be like, uh, oh, uh, uh, Talking Heads uh, opening for Blonde. You know, what I mean, it'd be yeah, and like, it was super know, cheap too. Yeah, X crazy. yeah, two dollars. It was like two dollars, yeah. and so yeah, it was like a buck ninety nine, two yeah. bucks or whatever. Yeah, I have this uh, these amazing ticket so stubs nice. that it was like you know the Clash two dollars. <laughs> you know, I'm, and opening band Saw Pat Benatar XTC. You know, yeah. and yeah, uh, and. Uh, uh, so uh, I was actually offered the opportunity to uh, because the people there was oh John you know when I, I had uh, seats up close to the you know to the stage because I really wanted it was very important to me to see him again and they said would you like to come backstage and meet him and I said no no I really don't want to no and I turned it down because I never wanted to have the experience that I had with these other groups uh, and. The worst one was, and I really enjoyed their music, but they, again, didn't come through town very often, the Pretenders, because mm. they would, 
uh, they were on their way, and then one of them died, you know. Mm-hmm, and then right. they were on their way again, and another one of them died. And then they're on their way, and their drummer put his hand through a window, you know. And it was like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so they, when they finally, the rock band, yeah, they finally get. By the time they finally got to town, uh, we had a very, very good relationship with Warner Brothers, which was their record label, and uh, so I called, uh, and I had. This the rocket had been around long enough that um, people were very. We would help a lot of record labels out with these acts that they had that were very difficult to break because the the mainstream newspapers would go the Go Go's what the Who the what we don't know no and they and we would do articles because we had people in those genres who who would say we need to do an article on these guys because they are going to be huge a year right. from now and right. and and in most cases those people then a year later would really remember that in particular like somebody like Def Leppard who. When uh, I was told by our heavy metal specialist Jeff Gilbert, uh, I know everybody knows Gilbert, right? You know, I was told. I said these we need to do a big story on these guys because in a year from now these are going to be the most. Fa- this is going to be the biggest band in the world. And he says, I guarantee you this will be the big. And I was like, okay. And so we did. And then when they came back through Seattle uh, a year later, he was right. And they came to us and said, whatever you want, you know, anything you want. And they, you know, did all these great photo sessions and wore the rocket T-shirts on stage and, you know, all that kind of stuff. All right. So so we had a really good relationship with the record labels because of stuff like that, because we'd help them out with stuff that they needed help on. And then. You'd get rewarded after that. And so I, we'd really like to get some uh, photos of uh, Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders in concert. Not a problem. Uh, we got to, So I go backstage, and the, uh, the tour manager is like, oh, you're the guys from The Rocket. You know, here's your laminate. Here's this. Where's your photographer? Right here. And it's one of, a, one of the best, again, a real famous photographer, Rex Reistad, who came out and done a million i mean you've seen he did the official, everybody's seen his stuff yeah yeah everyone yeah and so um and rex always was uh he was the guy that you if there was any sort of iffy situation rex could, he would never even needed a pass he could usually talk his way into it and i mean and uh you know he, he could handle pretty much any situation but this time it was like well there's no problem and so the the uh manager says the only thing is you just just for the first two songs and that's really the only requirement and we're like absolutely you know that that's, that's plenty of time so uh there's rex with all his official stuff and he goes out and i go to the kind of the back of the of the hall and i'm just watching and here come the pretenders and they take the stage and uh and after the first song i see chrissy hine like i see motioning like and i'm like it looks like Wow, it looks like she's yelling at Rex. I wonder what that's about. You know, and if I didn't know better, I would think she was angry at Rex. And then by the second song, you see these bouncers coming in and grabbing Rex and pulling him off. And so I go backstage, and uh, what's going on? And she's back. She's in a rampage. She's you know, I don't know what kind of language we can use you on can, this. We are not FCC regulated. You can say whatever you want. Fucking ass. She's like, get the f-, you know who the you know, yeah. who are you? And we're like, no, no, we had it all. You know. So Get the f- you know, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You she know, didn't see so. his she laminate, just, huh? No, she didn't. Give it. <laughs> it was it. And I called. So I called the guy at Warner Brothers, and he's like, "I'm sorry, you know, uh, when she's nice, she can be really nice, but when she's not, she's the worst." You know? Wow. And wow. you know, and I'd heard that, but I was like, I can never listen to, you know, that <laughs> music way, anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh god!" You know, just having to like try to like let's just get out of here without you know people getting killed, you know. <laughs> So. Now you guys also uh, were there in the beginning of you know what was became the big Seattle scene, yeah. And uh, like you said, broke the news on a lot of bands. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say were uh, some of the people you possibly at the time? Because we all know Nirvana, Pearl Jam, yeah. You know the big boys, yeah. But there were a lot of bands around who you know were really good at the time as well. Any that you really thought, yeah, I think these guys are going to go somewhere, really nice guys, whatever, and it just never right, quite yeah, popped uh, for them? There was the Blackouts, which who I always thought were really good. A lot of the individual members of that mm-hmm. uh, uh, went places. There was, this, there was a group called Rally Go, and they did a song called... Mass Brew Action! Yes. <laughs> Do you, remember, you guys remember that? Yes. I love it already. Yes. Yeah, Mass <laughs> Brew Action! Mm. 
Can you party? You know, party hard. <laughs> Mass brew action. All right. You know, uh, they were they were great. And I, you know, uh, gosh, there was any number of ones that uh, that just sort of uh, didn't quite make it because the way it works essentially is that a band has a natural life of about eighteen months, and if you make it in eighteen months, then you. Uh, financially need to stay together and so you kind of put aside differences and you because you're making money right and but you really can't stand each other after about 18 months but you stay together to to make money and you say you're you know you've been in radio for a while and it would surprise me when i'd go in and see uh these dj teams it's very rare that if it's a you know a couple of people that they're in the same room because oh, they yeah. hate they, they hate, hate each, each other, other. absolutely yeah, they hate each other and so they're in separate rooms and you're you know and you're in between them because they can't stand each other but they're making money as a team exactly you know? so that's a you know I think oh, so you've seen that yeah so oh yeah so when you're down at the water cooler you know one's talking shit about the other one oh yeah 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 and bands they they hate each other usually after about eighteen months and uh, so they break up. You know, and they might have done some really cool music, but they just like, oh, you know. Any of the big bands that 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 hit uh, surprised you? Like, um, I mean, because you know, now we all know of them as the big bands, but there was a time when they were just playing, you know, down at the, uh, you know, whatever the under the rail or Central. right, yeah, you know, you know the, rock candy or whatever. In the very beginning, the the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the heats. Remember those guys? Mm-hmm. The heat. Yeah. I actually thought those guys were gonna. They they really had what I thought was a real commercial. Uh, I really enjoyed that group, and and I, I, I they never quite broke through, and I, I really thought that they would, and I think a lot of people thought that. Well, and, for me, like I was really surprised by Candlebox. Not that they're not really good, but yeah. I remember when they were kind of here, and yeah. then they went out, they went on a tour, yeah. and all of a sudden they were really big, and they're saying, "Hey, we're from Seattle," and I, they are. <laughs> not exactly. They, I know. Well, they, had a lot they of, were one of the people who moved, who moved here. Exactly. We had a lot of that going on. I think yeah. they got a lot of flack because they were uh, they didn't they weren't looked as like uh, you know like a workman type band and they hadn't been playing you know tons of clubs for right. months and months. No, that's what I'm saying. It was, just, it was a shock. They were. Yeah. So it was like, who the hell are these guys? You know. Right. And I used to do a lot of work at Bad Animals uh, commercials and and whatnot. And when those guys came in to do a record, they you know all just just a bunch of Ferraris, you know, in the uh, <laughs> in, in the garage. And that was so not the way that Seattle, Seattle was. Seattle yeah. musicians, you know, be although to be you know it, it was like. Uh, you know, people got on them about that, but it was there was this sort of ethos or an idea that it's okay if you got rich and famous, but you ha- it had to happen by accident. Oh, that okay. if you actually wanted it, if you really that wanted, was a problem. If you wanted it, that yeah, that was a problem. That was anti. Like if, if if you if it accidentally you got famous, <laughs> then it, it was, was okay. okay. Yeah, it was all right, and you can yeah. keep the mil- yeah, you can keep the money, but <laughs> if you actually went after it, and see the thing is that uh, Charlie, you mentioned him early, Charlie uh, Cross. Uh, when he was doing uh, the uh, biography of Kurt Cobain, Courtney just sort of gave him big garbage bags full of Kurt's journals and whatnot. Wow. That, yeah, I know. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that's insane. And Because um, I actually got kicked off her property one time. Well, there you go. <laughs> she you wasn't know. giving me anything. No, she wasn't giving me anything. She was like, oh, okay. So he's like, he's like I don't think, she doesn't have any idea what she gave me, I don't think. R- probably was, not. He was saying, he was going through, and he was like, you know, he... It was all there. He wanted. I mean, he, yeah. he he was no. You know, people. Oh, he got. You know, it was. He was too freaked out by his fame. No, he he wanted it every every bit, every inch of the way. Yeah, he wanted it every inch of the way. I mean, he it it didn't it didn't cure the basic. You know, the, every it did, every and the, it, it paid at, the bills, right. as they say. And I think on on any level with the band, uh, sure they like you know being. Uh, together making good music but every band wants to be successful on some level yeah right you know and if sure. it's mega stardom then of course you know you guys if it's <laughs> you guys are in bands if it's mega stardom that's like you sure, know icing okay. on the cake yeah, you're not gonna turn it down by accident any artist is expressing because they want to share right. it one last question on the music area and then we'll move on All right. uh there were some legendary uh places to go to shows back in the 
what we'll call the late eighties through the mid nineties or whatever. Yeah. What were some of your what were some of your favorite places to go hunt? Well, the the very best still exists, which is the Showbox. I mean, that, yes. that was that was the still there. Yeah, that was the very best. And mm-hmm. if my parents even went there when they were in college in the in the forties. You know, it was built as a venue for music, and acoustically, it was it was perfect. You know. Um, the Paramount was all run down in those days. You know, it was like a, a pit, <laughs> I do remember you know? that. But uh, <laughs> no, really, when it comes down to it, there were uh, yeah, like the there used to be this uh, yeah, and there was this theater right across from the Seattle Times that I don't remember what it was called, but that was a venue. The Times tore it down, but that mm. that was a good uh, <clears throat> a good venue. And then there was a place called Rex, which was right. Uh, it became Club Vogue, and right. I and then I forget what it is now, but it was right across the street from the uh, Virginia Inn, mm-hmm. and Rex was a really cool place. But really, really to be to be quite show honest, box. the Showbox was. By far. The Have you been to the Showbox to Soto? No, I haven't actually. Yeah. I was just curious if you had what no. your take on that. It's a completely different feel. Oh, no, I know. I've seen warehouse it. Warehouse feel. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It's great, but no, it's I, I mean, certainly we, not the Showbox. No. I saw, saw the Ramones at the Showbox. I saw, you know, the. Uh, the specials, XTC, nice. you know, uh, uh, Devo is an incredible mm-hmm. show, uh, uh, and um, uh, Squeeze. You might not that might not sort of figure in your top ten, but that was uh, I think Gang of Four might mm-hmm. have been the best performance I saw there. But mm-hmm. Squeeze just blew the blew the roof off that place. That I. A lot of people don't remember that band, but man, when they were they they could really really rock. They could they it was amazing. I remember one time I was watching. Uh, you guys would run during the week promos for the upcoming you know almost live that that Saturday night, yeah. and there was one where you were at your desk and you're kind of telling us what's coming up, and there was the video of the Black Crows playing. And you turn around and go, oh, Black Crows, very cool. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was right about the time I was really getting into them, and they were just about to hit Seattle and saw a show uh, at the old Mercer Arena. And the for Mercer. their Yeah, and for their encore, they had like a couple of guys from uh, uh, Pearl Jam got up on there. And yeah, cu- yeah. Cu- it, was, it became like the Seattle and the Black – they kind of endorsed the Crows that day. And I, I often wonder if you had something to do with that because that spot ran so many times, and it, it was like free plug for the crows. <laughs> ah, that one, I don't know. That, I've never heard. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> so let's go into the almost live years because yeah. uh, you're at the Rocket, and then you go and do the, the video rock magazine type thing. Yep, yep. And uh, all of a sudden you get a call about this uh, – this show that they're in development? Yep, that's right. In those days, they were doing a lot of local shows, and they tried a lot of hosts, and they uh, settled on Ross. And uh, I had known Ross from the comedy club days, and uh, we didn't really hit it off exactly uh, very well in the very beginning, uh, but Ross was from uh, a sports background, and Mm -hmm. that's very important because... He uh, was a kind of a guy who, if you could make the team, he would get behind you. And so he was kind of hard on me in the beginning, and I did a lot of stuff. And then when he saw like, that I was... Was he hard, like, critical, or he just... Yeah, and he just sort of didn't understand what I was doing, and, and it was a different... It, we had a different view of what was funny, and he was more of, um, you know, kind of a mainstream comic, okay. for yeah. lack of a better word. Although he was very, very funny guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was more experimental, more kind of on the edge. But uh, as soon as uh, he realized that I was getting laughs for the show or that I that I could make him look better, he was like, you know what? You know, he got he really got behind me. And so uh, hmm. he, you know, was a big uh, we we did a lot of stuff together that worked very, very well. And and the show became real popular, and a lot of that had to do with this dynamic that we had. That I would write things where he'd be this handsome, talented. He liked know, that, effortless, and he liked that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. You could tell. I mean, yeah. he, he loved playing that role. Yes, he did. Yeah, he liked playing that, and and I enjoyed playing the put upon loser. 
Okay. That's sort of the Martin Lewis type yes, uh, Abbott and Costello thing. That's correct. And mm-hmm. I frequently, you know, I'd be walking down the street and people would go, don't let that, you know, <laughs> asshole, you're 10 times fun, you're better than him. And, and I'd be like, you know, we're not, it's not that. Uh, <laughs> it's an act. It's, yeah, right. you know. Uh, but it was uh, when we'd go out together, if we'd go out and uh, to a restaurant together, the, the com- uh, I mean, I, you know, he would get people coming up to him and I would get people coming up to me. Me, but when we were out together, I mean, people would go nuts, you know. And it was really uh, almost life got a lot more popular. I mean, the the ratings were a lot got a lot bigger in as the when we changed the formats after he left. The ratings yeah. oh. probably tripled or quadrupled. But they're never really. I, I mean, when he and I were together, if we were walking around town, I never got the kind of response of of just sort of people on the street that that we would get if we were together. I'm I'm not sure why that was, but now when he uh when he got called down to LA Yeah. And you went with like him. Like he's in a ball club or something. Well he basically he got the big was. call up. He got, everybody <laughs> yeah. everybody left Seattle to become famous. Yeah, he, right. He got the call. <laughs> he got the call and it was one of the most amazing things I had ever seen because he uh, Joan Rivers had just been fired by the Fox network, but right. when she was hired they basically gave her anything she wanted. And so uh, this her office was this palatial office. Now it was Ross's. <laughs> and she had a dressing room that was like, a, they, we nicknamed it the condo because it had like a reception area. It had a... Jeez. You know, like a kitchen. It had a bedroom. It had, you know, it was like the size of a, of a, of a condominium, you know. And um, uh Outside the uh, window, it was the you could see the Hollywood sign, and I, you know, and and it was. You guys like, got to come in and take over this joint. I, went, huh? I said, "Gee, look at this!" You know, I came down and <laughs> and um, it was like you just look out the window, and it was so you have no idea how. What a symbol! All of that with you, like I'm in Hollywood, you know, and there's the Hollywood sign, and I'm in this, th- and there's all, and you're meeting all these people yeah. that you know uh, that were all on the, you know, the people from L.A. Law or the latest Playboy Playmate or the, you know, whatever is, you know, and they're there every day, you know, and it's 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 quite intoxicating. It's kind of surreal, like Dorothy yeah. waking up in Oz type thing. It's it's, like- it's a it's it's a something that's very hard to turn down, but I oh, yeah. but I did, you know, <laughs> but I did. You did, but you did do uh, some episodes because you were yeah. you were the the studio announcer. I was, yeah, announcer. I was, yeah. How was that? That that had, was that a l- little bit of a switch from going from like sketch comedy to all of a sudden you're the guy behind the mic. And well, I, I assume I've been to. I lived in LA for a while, and I went to taping some shows. And did you have to do like the rev up of the crowd? You know, yeah, a little, yeah, a little stuff? bit, a little bit stuff like that. Uh, but it was really the uh, uh, you know just rubbing shoulders with uh, all the famous people was you know. Uh, it was just sort of beyond belief. You know, you're like, wow, look, you know, there's, you know, whoever. And then they were like, you know, they were like, hey, buddy, you know, and it's like, you know, <laughs> wow, this is, this is pretty crazy. And so how did you decide to just come back? Well, uh, there's a lot of reasons, but w- one of them, it's like I we went back for, I think it was the Thanksgiving weekend or the Christmas. I mean, there was a layover and I was back to Seattle kind of reality dawned, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I thought, you know, uh, I talked it over with people at King, and and I thought, you know, the because King had an had an affiliate, uh, they had a Fox affiliate, uh, King Broadcasting owned one, so the head of uh, King had been to the affiliates meeting, and and he knew that that show wasn't going to last very long. He knew that the network had no nothing behind it. But wow. the other thing was. Um, uh, I was going to have uh, uh, children, you know, and I knew that uh, uh, my wife was pregnant, and uh, I knew that uh, um, it would be uh, that if I went to Los Angeles, it would be twenty four hours. A day. I, I would be working twenty four hours a day, and the people that went there walked out of relationships and walked right. walked away from children. <clears throat> A lot. And, and, yeah, in order to be famous, you have to do what's necessary. I mean, mm-hmm. in order to be a real – I mean, to, and most people will do – they will they will do pretty much anything. They'll, so it sounds like you made a real responsible decision well, to come you know, back and be a stand-up guy. Uh I, you know, yeah, that's me making it sound good. You know, that's me making it sound good. But the, I guess what I'd say is the reality is that I wasn't willing to do what was necessary. 
I, I was not I, I came up against a thing where I, I think other people that I know would have you know would have walked over mm-hmm. people. I know somebody who had an abortion because they had a chance at at, at a uh, at a big show. Okay, mm. wow. ha, had a, had a deal on a, on a show that looked like it it might be kind Go of somewhere. big. That's yeah. serious. And business. she decided to have an abortion because it would have it would have messed up her career. That's so, a heavy decision right there. You know, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's the level to which if you've got that laser focus on, on being in the spotlight, the, the, uh, that's, you know. It's a, Commitment, it's, sacrifice, what, hard work, all will, that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, and the other thing is, like, uh, yeah, you've got a best friend who's your partner, and the network comes and tells you, we like you. We don't really care much right. for, for, you know, your best friend over there. And then you make the deal, and then you tell your best friend. It's like, I mean, you know, you guys yeah. saw the Facebook movie. You've seen mm-hmm. it's that's the that is the show business story. That that it, that's what it is. That's what you have. At some point, everybody does that thing. They yeah. make they make that deal. All right, that's in uh, part one here on the Northwest Convergence Zone, right here on NWCZ Radio. We're going to pause for a moment. Push pause. Yes, push don't pause. push pause. Now keep playing. <laughs> uh, when we come back in part two, we have more interview with John Keister. We're going to talk about the almost live days. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you in the second hour. everybody this is big d for nwczradio.com and uh if you didn't get enough of great music and stuff at our anniversary party we have a killer shindig uh seattle you've been asking us you know why is everything done in tacoma when are you coming to seattle well we are now coming to seattle (laughs) and we are bringing some great act with us foxy vallejo Boxy, yes, she rocks. Mom's Rocket and the Richards. Boxy, when's this going down? June eighteenth, baby. Saturday. Saturday, June eighteenth, and it is at the Central, which is in Pioneer Square. Yes, First Ave. Gimmer, what's the price on that? Ten dollars. It's ten bucks. But yes, here's the catch: they get you into seven clubs. Seven clubs, but there's only one that you need to worry about. You only need to, yeah. And that is the central. And when is this all starting? Um. Well, I believe it's going to kick off. You want to get there, like you want to get there early. Obviously, you want to be there early. Yeah. Yeah, um, Get the drinks flowing. (laughs) Nine thirty, we're gonna hit the stage. Foxy hits the stage at nine thirty. Mom's rocket will follow. Yes, and then the Richards, great group out of Vancouver, BC, going to be making. I think it's their Seattle debut. Mm, Nice, right on. So we're looking forward to that. This is welcome Canadians. This, yeah, we love welcome to our country and our state. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Hope you don't get hung up at the border. Uh, This is an nwczradio.com presents. And so we will be there in full force. And Voxy, what's your set going to look like, darling? 
Oh, it's going to be awesome. We got some of our new stuff. What's stuff your set, set going to look like? Wait my mama, huh? What? Uh-huh. What'd you say? Yeah. How you doing? What's the oh, music o- set. What's the I'm over sorry. under on the uh, the Jaeger box? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going four this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got um, some new music for everybody that I'm really excited about. Some of the new stuff that'll be coming off the next album. And um, and I've got some other little things planned that I'm going to kind of keep under. Have you guys played the Central before? No. No, so this, this will be your, time. Yeah, this, yeah. your virgins to the central. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a, about time. Yeah. Pop Something. my cherry, baby. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, Mom's Rocket, hard rocking group out of Olympia. And those guys have a, a good presence in Seattle. They were once the KJR 950 uh, house band. Yep. And uh, they've done a lot of work up in Seattle. So, And then, of course, the Richards. So, like I said, it's Saturday, June 18th, and it is at the Central which the is Central in Pioneer, Saloon. Central Saloon, the historic Central Saloon, Pioneer Square. We want to see you all there. Ten bucks, and I know, oh, ten bucks, man. Come on. You get into seven clubs, and it's going to be packed because there's – I'm saying get there early because there's a Mariners. killer Mariners game. I think Jamie Moyer's pitching that night. <laughs> Jamie Moyer? That's what I've heard. I heard, I heard rumors Moyer. that Moyer will be pitching for the opposing team. So a lot of people will be out to see and to pay their respects to Jamie. What is that look for, Gimmer? I don't know. This sounds almost like an urban legend or something. <laughs> That's the rumor. I don't. It's not confirmed, but okay. I'm saying there's gonna there should be a lot of people to. I'll go with rumors. And they all flood into Pioneer Square afterwards, and it's Saturday night. It's gonna be packed. It's gonna be rocking. We're looking people. forward to it. So Wait all for the of knuckleball, you. baby. <laughs> I'm already. I'm already got my. You know, trying to pick out my outfit. So. All right. Well, so everybody get down there. Uh, NWCZradio.com presents Vox Vallejo, Mom's Rocket, The Richards, Saturday, June 18th, 9 o'clock at the Central Saloon.